0: Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to another episode of the Social Mastery Coaching Corner. Today I'm joined by Scott Lockie and Beth Seavers. Scott Lockie is Director General of Hunter Class Frigate. Scott started his career in the Australian Defence Force in 2001 in Western Creek and he's held a number of roles including Reserve Senior Officer in the Navy, Director General Navy Aviation Systems, Chief Engineer. This is a long one, Wizard. Go get a cup of tea for this with Scott. Project Director to name but a few. Scott is an exceptional example of leadership and role modeling throughout the Social Mastery program. He really brought the program to life with his team. That's why we said, Scott, we would like you to give your guidelines, your comments in the coaching corner. In a recent article about what he thinks are key qualities in leadership, Scott talks about the importance of vulnerability, authenticity, and integrity. Beth Seavers is National Shipbuilding and Sustainment Industry and Intelligence, and the intelligence bit was working well, Beth, because when we looked at you on social media, it was a bit of an enigma. You do have a LinkedIn profile, but we're saying at the start, we, we didn't know a lot about you apart from your wonderful engagement and input into the social mastery program throughout the Social Mastery program, one of the areas that you really resonated with was the importance of play. And I'm going to quote you, Beth, I think we need adult playgrounds. Do you know that Dr. Tom Buckley and I had a big discussion around that as a business opportunity? We'll talk about that offline, Beth. I think there's something just waiting to happen. Uh, you're actively engaged in the Social Mastery podcast. And it's really nice that we've got a member of APS and a member of Navy. I have put you all in the same happy, healthy, connected family, but there's some nuances between the two. And to stay start with, I'd like to go, Scott, first of all, tell us, how did you start in the Navy? What was the discussion or what was the pathway that led to doing, arguably now, one of the most challenging roles in the Navy?
1: Yeah, Andrew, I actually joined the Navy in 1988, uh, so it was a little bit earlier than than, uh, what my uh, social media footprint will indicate. Um, I joined the Defence Force Academy here in Canberra. And I won't go through all the career steps, but I joined the Navy because I'm mildly colorblind and the Air Force wouldn't take me. So my dream of being a top gun and and flying, I had to take second order, which was being an engineer in the Navy. And I've ended up, I spent a career in aviation. Then I left for a little while, went to industry, into shipbuilding, and I've come back to Navy full time to lead Navy's latest uh, frigate program.
0: So you just got to update that social media profile, a little bit of a difference in experience from 1988 to 2001, isn't there? Is this is this like, I've got a mate of mine who was back on the dating circuit a few years ago and he had a picture of himself 15, 20 years earlier with hair. And I'm like, mate, you're bald. You're sending out the wrong messages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's uh, things have changed a lot since 1988, both in the Navy, uh, in industry, in Canberra it's quite quite a different place to to live and work and and, uh, and bring people, bring kids up as well.
0: Well let's, let's pull on that thread. What is different now at time of recording compared to back in 1998? Let's do this on two levels. One would be for a recruit coming in, two for someone senior. What 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 is what are the key differences?
1: Connectedness? You know, when I joined in 1988 to dial back home to mum and dad, you walk down the corridor at Advent with your 20-cent pieces to put in the phone. If you wanted to express something uh, in writing, you wrote a letter with, by hand, you put a 25-cent stamp on it, um, and your, your parents would get it a, a week later. You know, the, the connectedness today is is quite incredible. The other thing I'd say is the, the yelling at, the character building, uh, and I'll call it character building because if you call it bullying, it's not appropriate – the sorts of character building that went on back then, you just wouldn't get away with today. So things things have changed. I, I do look back, though, with great fondness of those early days you know, in the military because the resilience that it built into me is something that, that I've taken through to, to today that that helps me lead this program.
0: That's one of the areas that we've loved partnering with you on this program and social mastery because there's a, a heap of work around maritime mastery. There's lots around domain expertise and domain mastery. And social mastery was almost sitting there with a framework from Daniel Goldman's emotional intelligence with the four parts in the program but hadn't gone deep, so we've loved the opportunity to work with you and your teams and to actually put some structure around this. So the fact that we're now having those conversations in an open environment, and can I just say for any of the millennials listening to this, Scott wasn't making that up. You actually used to put money into a pay booth. Wizard, did you know that? You actually used to put a coin into a phone booth. I was telling my kids this the other day, and and they were like, well, why don't you just use a mobile phone, that wasn't like that, and you had money exchange, and, and Archie, my 11 year old, said. There was no Spriggy. You know what Spriggy is an account you put money into? It's a, like a debit account. So your kids have a card, but they can only spend the money in there. It made me feel old, Scott, just thinking, God, at that age. Geez, yeah. Was it a rotary phone when you started or did you it actually was, have the press buttons? No, it was still a rotary phone. Yep. I'm a little bit younger than Scott. We
2: still had the rotary phone.
0: Yeah, they're right. (laughs) Beth, how did you start in APS? What was your pathway from school or leaving school? What did you study? How did you start?
2: Well, people have probably picked up, um, and it seems to come out particularly on recordings, that I'm actually not a native. I grew up in Christchurch, New Zealand. And so my school uh, and university experience was over there uh, where I went to uni and trained and practiced as a lawyer before coming over to Australia. And as a result of probably some pretty awkward, uncomfortable, poor leadership behaviours. I changed occupations and moved into the property industry. And um similar thing happened there. I experienced a pretty extreme burnout, which actually led me to the APS because I, I could see people, my friends, who had better work-life balance, better work conditions, um, and that was something that I was really looking for when I left yeah, my last role.
0: That's an interesting pathway to go from lawyer into property, into APS. And and don't be ashamed of burnout. I think people generally teach one of two components. You teach what you're really good at or you teach some of the challenges and mistakes along the way. So pulling on that thread with you, I can already see one of the reasons why you are such a compassionate leader is because you had some pretty shitty leaders in the past and deep down you go, I do not want to be like We're normally him, but I'm going to be balanced today. I don't want to be like him or her. Is that right?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that I got out of this was just a bit of clarity around, actually, when I was leaving jobs, mostly it was out of burnout. And to be able to identify, I always thought it was a problem with me. And to be able to identify that there were behaviors that were contributing to the situation I was in, but also what I was or wasn't in control of managing for myself as I was working through those jobs you know I probably also could have done a lot better job and so it's given me lots of those pretty cool insights
0: i love these conversations because at the start i said to you both here's a framework and we'll use that as a guide but then when the pieces of conversation come up that we're going to double click on or we're going to run down that rabbit hole there's one burnout now beth you know there's two types of burnout there's organizational burnout and that is when the organization with the mission of the organization or the, the the goals in the organization and the way they're pushing people is not balanced with the resources, so it's busting at the seams. The second one is individual burnout, and that's where the individual's capacity is less than the demands on the job. And from individual burnout, Dr. Tom and I, Dr. Tom Buckley wrote a white paper on this, and we've spent a lot of time the past couple of years because COVID has accelerated burnout. And I'm going to be testing my memory what happens when you go down a rabbit hole, best? sometimes you don't have the material in <laughs> front of mind. So I'm going to pause and reflect the five key factors that we get people to focus on around individual burnout. Number one is clearly define your purpose. Two is build in active recovery. Three is dial up the physical fitness as a base, so being match fit. Four is we look at social connectedness. And five is we look at play Going back to what you said about playing and having fun, and we're all big kids, but we have to have a little bit of fun along the way. And when you listen to those five key areas, how many of those did you have in previous organisations? Were you looking after yourself? Were you sleeping properly? Did you have that good social network? Were you having fun? And did you feel on purpose?
2: Each job was a bit different. There was one job where there was definitely a values misalignment, and I just... It got to a point where I just could not handle that because it was just so distinct from what how, from the values that I held. And so my purpose there was was not meeting the expectations. And the others, um, because I can be a bit of a perfectionist, the demands of the job meant that I just kept going. And so I wasn't sleeping very well because I was ruminating quite heavily. <laughs> and I wasn't exercising because I was working late and I was tired and I couldn't squeeze the time in. And as a result, I lost a lot of contact with my friends and family and those kind of things so yeah it was a it was a snowball effect in a lot of those jobs
0: i'm just processing a lawyer that's got perfection or borderline (laughs) perfection traits i refer to myself as reformed now
2: i'm a reformed lawyer
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know about attribution style when they look at attribution style pessimist and optimist is is too black and white. But what you really look at underneath that is the three Ps. You look at pervasiveness, personalness, and permanence. And they've done some interesting research around this. Lawyers in first year at university aren't that different to people who are studying engineering or sports science or accounting or education. But by year three and four, they've totally trained that attribution style much more on the pessimistic side. Now, Beth, I want my lawyer to tell me what can go wrong. I want my lawyer to look at, the little areas I may be missing. What a lot of the research shows, if you're in risk, if you're in law, a lot of those areas that look at risk, if that's all you train, and then you don't have the flexibility to come out of that, that starts to show up in your personal life. I've seen that with a lot of people in those careers. And you even mentioned that you were disconnecting from family members and friends. That would have been challenging in that period. And and you you learn pretty quick, right, when that happens to you, how to autocorrect.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think one of the interesting points that you just made was around that negativeness because I have had that feedback from people that, Sort of think of me as a bit of a negative Nancy, uh, or that I'm, you know, constantly pointing out what would go wrong instead of looking at what would go right. And so I've worked really hard on that to make sure that I'm just flagging the the risk in advance, and saying we can do this. This is totally a, we can do it, but we just need to understand these road, you know, bumps are going to come along the road, and we can think now about how we might handle that. And I think it's worked to some extent, but people do do still see it a lot as a as a negative kind of trait, which is. It's still something
0: that I'm working on. <laughs> I don't think it's either or. Either I'm positive yeah, or I'm negative. It's and. So how do you have a risk focus with your job? And how do you go home to your gorgeous children and focus on just being light and playing and, and, and learning that, that mental skill to switch between the two? It is actually trained. You can totally train those skills. And we'll come to social mastery program in a moment. Scott. Joining in nineteen eighty eight, oh, you must have been ten. So they let they let him in young back then, Beth. When you heard the conversation when we're talking about burnout, when talking about perfectionism, have you had any of that in your career? Or have you made it challenging for you that you look back and go, A young Scott, you would say, Hey, back off a bit, buddy. Here's a different way of doing it.
1: Yeah, I have I haven't personally felt burnout to the point that Tom, Dr. Tom describes in his um, in his podcast that I listened to recently. But I have gone on leave and gone, ah, so that's what it feels like to relax. And then the body says, you know what, sunshine, I'm going to punish you for what you haven't done for the last 18 months or two years. And I'm going to make you feel really sick so that you've got no choice but to lie in the lounge and do nothing for a couple of days. Um, so I suppose that burnout has come, but once it's, it's happened, once I've stopped, I have had to teach myself how not to be a perfectionist. And that's really hard as an engineer, um, how not to expect everyone else to be like, and to recognize that um, there are 175 people in my team, all of who have a a different way of doing business, and all of them are right. So it's been a quite a learning journey over how many years, 35 years since I joined, uh, and it's still a work in progress.
0: Look at you. You evolved, you compassionate, you inclusive male leader. What's happening? Beth, what's going on around here? I what, what, How are these guys slipping through the system?
2: I don't know, but I have to say... And I don't, this might sound a bit sick or whatever, but I have heard nothing but amazing things about Scott as a leader. And I think if we can have more Scots, a lot of people would be very happy.
1: Well, thank you, Beth. That's very kind.
0: What I see that you've got, Scott is a comfort with where you are. I don't know whether this is maturity. We don't use the word age. We just use maturity because, you know, Dr. Tom and I said in Social Mastery, we're going to get you all to 100 plus. So, mate, you're only halfway there. Not even halfway there, right? You're still in your 40s. And (laughs) (laughs) Just run with me, buddy. Just run with me. And there's a personal story you bring to it, but you're not always – saying in the program from what I saw that I have got all my shit together, everything's perfect. A number of times you've mentioned mistakes, a number of times you've mentioned, hey, I've had to learn this. That really is comforting, isn't it, Beth, when you've got leaders saying, hey, we're not perfect, we don't have this, I make mistakes, and it's part of learning and growing. Where does that come from, Scott?
1: Learning how to say, I don't know, is something that probably started to occur in my career at about the 20-year mark. When I went from the tactical level, leadership and management, and moved into more of a strategic environment, it mainly came when I arrived in, in Canberra and had to start dealing with politicians and dealing with media and that sort of thing. And the saying the words, I don't know, but I'll get back to you, is an acceptable answer. Previously, in, in roles that I'd done earlier in my career, saying I don't know was a sign of weakness, whereas today... I don't know, I'll get back to you, it gives me some breathing space to go on and make sure that when I do get back to that person, the answer is correct, that it's been researched appropriately. But geez, it took a long time to get comfortable with with saying those words.
0: I think the beautiful lesson f- for young people, what's young, 30 or younger listening to this who is still really forming mental models of what it means to... Be a leader, but also one of the terms I've really learned from APS and military is we talk about a follower. You know, there's there's followership and there's leadership. And when your career is evolving, and Beth, I'll ask you in a moment, but I, I know in my 20s, I thought I just had to pretend or tell everyone I had everything right because I was uncomfortable in my own skin. There was so much self doubt, there was this imposter syndrome. I Sold a business, totally fluked it to Accor, the hotel group in my early 30s, and people thought I knew what I was doing. I had no idea. But I pretended to run along with the narrative. And God, I look back and think, I was a not a terrible leader, but I just wasn't authentic because I'd been taught almost to leave your feelings at the door with your dirty shoes. Yeah, I'm sure you get that starting in the military. Yes, sir. You just come in and everything was so regimented. And then I actually had some leaders Surprise, surprise, Beth, they were mainly female. Two men, but mainly female, who brought their whole self to work. And I saw how everyone connected with them, how everyone loved working with them. And I thought the model that I've learned, which really came from sport, which is very similar to the old military model, it's actually not connecting with a whole bunch of people. So really interesting that you did 20 years of service and then you went, I need a really big iOS upgrade. That's not even an iOS upgrade. That's (laughs) changing a whole new system. How hard was that?
1: It was it was hard it was was very hard and but it was forced on me because I made that and it was a step from commander to captain. It was a step from being at the flight line and managing day-to-day dramas to being in the strategic environment where you're working in a gray zone most of the time. You're working where uh, you have to make decisions that are the least worst option. There's no such thing as a, the best decision or the right decision. It's just the least worst. What's going to protect your team best? And uh, yeah, so it, it was forced on me by promotion. It was forced on me by moving to Canberra. It was forced on me by the project that I came over here to lead at the time.
0: And so I just want to close out on an open loop from both of you. And there's a real fine line between healthy competition and perfectionism. But perfectionism is very dichotomous. I either get it right or it's not. It, it's black or it's white. It's perfect or it's crap. And, and we know perfectionism leads to burnout. Perfectionism leads to a lot of people not being happy because it's never good enough. And you can learn this. I I, I have perfectionistic traits, so I, I totally get it. Healthy competition, though, is I'm still achieving and it's adding that that and or yet. Healthy competition is I'm achieving and I know getting it perfect is not going to happen. Healthy competition is I'm doing a good job and I know there's some mistakes I'm going to make. It can be quite a fine line, but the reframe on that, that it's okay to make mistakes. Part of learning as a leader, part of evolving, part of growing is I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to learn new systems, new processes, new ways to lead, new conversations to have. So Beth, have you got that balanced? Have you shifted over from perfectionism to healthy competition? And if you have, what are some of the tips you did to get there?
2: I think I'm getting there. I don't know that it's still something that I battle regularly, but I think changing my mindset helped a lot in that the time it would take to get something perfect was not time that we could, that we had, and so. It was part to do with the way that the work was being demanded or required, that I was like, you know what, close enough is good enough. And when I put those things up, the world didn't collapse. (laughs) You know, like I wasn't fired. The thing I was working on didn't fall over. And it's interesting because at the moment uh, in a lot of the strategic comms that we've been getting internally at Defence, is about this minimum viable product kind of language, which I think is really interesting, but actually – will help a lot of people to crack on and do their job because people have been trying for a long time to do exactly the right thing exactly perfectly and we may not need that to get where we're going and I I really like that kind of concept coming down and that everybody's hearing that and that's something that we are allowed to aim for.
0: It's a good term. I I used to work for one of the big four consulting firms when I heard MVP with my sporting background. I thought it was most valuable player. And then it was about a month later, I actually said to one of the partners in there, I I don't think my understanding of MVP is the same. And he said, it's minimum viable product. It's getting a product to market before it's perfect because it never is. And you need to iterate when, oh, it's not the most valuable player. Uh, (laughs) That was a little bit embarrassing, Beth, even the fact that I've articulated that and I've got no credibility with this group. Not and, at all,
2: because it happens in defence all the time with acronyms. <laughs>
0: well, what, what, what I find, and we did this when we started working with with Dean and Sam and Anthony, is there any acronym, we would say, can you please explain that? Because if I don't ask now in six months' time, I'm going to look a bit silly. So it's putting your hand up and asking. Hey, I just do want to close out on the healthy competition first perfection. Scott, when you're building a ship, it's got to be perfect. So I just do need to add that, right? <laughs> you can't get your margins out by five mils Ten mils, because uh, that's that's not a good result. So there are parts of people in the, there are job descriptions with people listening to this, where yes, if you're building something, you've got to get it perfect. What I'm talking about more is in relation to what used to be called the soft skills. I don't like calling them hard skills and soft skills, but in that interpersonal, the communication, the evolution, the document, that's where we can have this blend between perfection and healthy competition. Anything to add to that on Scott? I just thought I'd better say that in line of a lot of the great work that you and your colleagues do.
1: If you were working for me right now, Andrew, I would march you out the door <laughs> because I'd say you haven't been listening to what I've been saying for the last twelve months. We want excellence, not perfection, and there's a difference there. Um, Ooh, yeah, good. You, you're right. There, there are elements of the ship that uh, need to be need to operate perfectly. Uh, when you are trying to fire a missile, uh, you want to know that it's going to hit the right target, so it needs to operate perfectly. But you can't deliver such a complex program if we are trying for perfection in everything. So one of my mantras um, that my team hears regularly is, I want you to strive for excellence, but I don't want you to strive for perfection.
0: Every Monday morning, we have a a 9am meeting with all of our team at Strive Stronger, and we go through a plan of the week, what's coming up, advanced talks, any programs, podcast, But we also look back and short, short and sharp. And the reason we do it is you actually gain half a day in productivity for most teams if you start Monday morning like that. Otherwise, what happens? You get to work, have a coffee. Oh, Scott, how'd the Raiders go? Don't really care because I I'm, work with Manly. I have to get a rugby league dig in there. Hey, Beth, <laughs> how are the kids? Wow, it's coming up to Floread, isn't it? a bit, you, know, you have all that talk and then you get to 11 o'clock and go, oh, my day's going to start. You two don't do this because you've got you know, really big jobs. But you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people have that. When you start the Monday morning, it just gets everyone there ready to go. So there's a little tip for anyone listening to this who've got Teams. Have a 9 a.m. Monday meeting. Have it as a focus on the week where you are. But do a little bit look back the week before. And we do a gratitude exercise. And we take either the win or the learning of the week. Wizard, guess what mine is? You're not grabbing it. He's just gone bang. Uh, It's excellence, not perfection. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'll quote you. I'll send you a dollar every time I say it. I'll set up a spriggy account. And we'll put it in there. Sounds good. Now, Beth, you were an active enthusiastic participant in the social mastery program. Luber and I called you one of those lighthouses. You you light up, you're always looking engaged and happy. And some people just say, no, it's not that I'm angry. That's just my face. Uh, A lady told me recently, we did a leadership program. I thought she hated me, hated the content, wasn't in it. And she came up after the first day and she said, Andrew, that was excellent. That is one of the best leadership programs, one of the best executive programs I've done. I felt like saying, can you tell your face? Like
2: <laughs> <laughs> That person is my spirit animal. <laughs> like, that is me. I have to explain all the time that I have a thinking face. Like, I have the process on my
0: face. Oh, this lady wasn't a thinking face. (laughs) There's another word for it anyway. (laughs) But on the programs you were engaged, you were what we call the lighthouse. So can I ask you, what, what was the biggest takeout or takeouts you had from our Social Mastery program?
2: I think I found one thing in every single session that really kicked something home for me. I was a slightly different way. So most of the things I think I was kind of on board with, but every week there was just something there that I was like, Yes, that can next level it for me. Like, yeah, that is actually something I was struggling with and it's just been put together in a way that, you know, like like a connector, that really helps. So, you know, like week one was the sort of micro recovery breaks and lunch times and stuff like that. It doesn't sound like much. But, man, that's something that I absolutely need to do and I need to remind myself regularly to do. The better week schedule from the second week, I've kind of been doing My husband was away last week. And I absolutely did that for my week to figure out how I was going to fit in the things that I needed to fit in. And it pulled on skills that I sort of had learned elsewhere that I could just, yeah, grab onto those things. So there was something every week that just kept me going. Yeah,
0: You're building so well. Let's keep going because you got me excited. Week one was the micro recovery. Anyone listening to this who didn't attend that session? Or wants to know a little bit more about it, that's the drop in intensity. It's the micro recovery. Because I used to teach to people, you know, take holidays every quarter, have a break. It aligns with both the corporate reporting cycle and school holidays for anyone who's got kids. But sometimes when you're running a big business, when you're running a big enterprise and you've got lots of people and moving parts, which you both have in your businesses, it doesn't always work perfectly. So it's the micro break in the day. It could be the five minutes of breathing or get outside in the sunshine. The better week is a construct where you're putting in what's important for you first, and you put work second. (gasps) Oh, how gosh, (laughs) Maz is going to cancel this. How dare Andrew say you put in your personal activities and your relationship activities first. But we know happy at home, connected socially, feeling good about yourself, fit, psychological flexibility. We're much better versions at work. Week three, drum roll, what did you take out of week three?
2: So that one was about the social awareness and we talked to Kamal and I loved that conversation. Oh, uh,
0: can I just say that Kamal we did a uh, on my podcast Performance Intelligence I interviewed Kamal with a time of recording today about two or three weeks ago. Everyone loves Kamal. I just say men, women, mammals. He just has I don't know what it is. He well, he was in a monastery for seven years. that's part of it. But he just has this presence and even doing it online with him, he just has this beautiful energy and then he drops and gives you space and you go, oh, so yeah, I have an intellectual crush on Kamal.
2: <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and that was around the kind of the way that the three concepts of philosophy, psychology and physiology kind of fit together. And for me, the psychology one and that kind of concept of e- equanimity and trying to get the not be driven so much by by emotions to be able to step back and look at that and and try and make better decisions rather than emotionally driven decisions, which has been known to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I know someone who sometimes has not got that balance right. I'll I'll let him know.
2: Everybody all the time.
0: <laughs> A very very good friend of mine, Beth. Mm. Oh,
2: yeah, great. I'm sure they appreciate this.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, sometimes they're not good on feedback. So, <laughs> and week four.
2: Week four was about relationship management. And I think for me it was that um, high-quality connections in the work environment because we spend so much time there. And as an introvert, I'm not great at making friends, but you're forced to do that at work. And I wanted to make those relationships um, and those engagements that I had with people more valuable. So I've worked really hard with my team specifically to try and find ways that, that we can connect and really have high quality conversations and connections with each other in the workplace.
0: Ha, huh, as an introvert, so Carl Jung's definition of introversion and extroversion is an introvert draws energy being by themselves, an extrovert draws or gets energy by being with others. This has been a continual topic of ours today, Wizard, because we interviewed this morning Caitlin Bassett, former captain of the Australian Diamonds. Oh, yeah. And Caitlin is an amazing athlete. She's an amazing person as well. And Caitlin was saying, and Wizard looked at me when she said this. She said, Oh, I'm an introvert. I went, Really? Oh, I, I was thrown. She said, Yeah. I find it draws a lot of energy to be up all the time. So I said to Caitlin, Did you check your job description, mate? Like you're in the media, you know, she's working at cricket New South Wales, she does presentations. She said, Yeah. What I've had to do though is learn some skills. That's when I hop back into the car and can be changing shoes or changing uniform. And that's changing state. I went, Ooh, that's really interesting. So for you, Beth Seavers, One, when we run future programs, I'm out, you're in. Your memory recall is awesome. To go week one is all about the micro-recovery breaks. Week two is about better week, and I implemented that when my husband was away last week. Week three is the intersection of the Ps, the physiology, the psychology, and the philosophy. And week four, Dr. Susie Green will love this, the HQCs, high-quality connections. How good is your memory recall? So, number one, you're presenting next time.
2: Well, firstly, it's (laughs) terrible. I may or may may not have written myself. (laughs) notes to remind
0: me but I'll take the comments thank you
2: yes
0: (laughs) so two what I was more getting at when you draw energy by being alone or by yourself it's solitude very different to lonely having skills around social mastery that's going to help you massively did you learn a lot of these skills earlier in your career or are you just starting to put them into place now
2: I probably learned from experience on the job in terms of doing lots of the wrong things And being able to, over time, reflect on how that impacted me. But more recently, I have been doing a lot more reading, following particular people on social media, being able to just to get those micro moments of, you know, of insights, reading them and just taking the time to process it. And also just having people that are on the same page as me to process that with. So that's that high quality connection. Again, you can just say, hey, I saw this. I can send it to them and be like, what do you reckon? Because I think, and it's to be able to process it in that way it has been really helpful.
0: The coach and me won't allow you to say wrong things. Let's, let's work on that. Let's go back again. You had some experiences that you learned from, or you had some experiences that didn't work. Now, I know I've put you on, but can see that difference between black and white, right or wrong. Uh, wrong implies it wasn't the right thing or you totally stuffed up. It just, there was another way of doing it. I yep. can't, can't help myself, but just that language, it's always catching. I, I do this as well. I'm constantly catching myself on language. And when you start to coach yourself, which you're doing beautifully, this just becomes set. It's not set and forget like a dividend reinvestment plan, but set and upgrade, set and upgrade. And you do that really well. You also told me during the program that you really resonated with the reps and sets about reinforcing the mental skills reps and sets. So what what do you mean by that?
2: There are lots of things that i already do that that were sort of reinforced by the course so i exercise regularly i drink lots of water i make sure i do whatever but i also sometimes just get a bit resentful of the fact that i have all of these things to do and then i let them go because i'm like well, it just feels like a chore to have to do these things it's another thing in my day that i have to you know achieve and then i go downhill and it's uh, i need to just keep reminding myself that Doing those little bits often and doing it regularly means that I can get the I can get the benefit like that. I will actually get there, and I'm not. It's not about the silver bullet to try and. I'm tired. I'll just get one night's sleep and I'll be good. It's about going to bed at a regular time, not doing the devices before bedtime, getting up early in the morning, getting the morning light, you know all those little things are the ones that add up to actually getting there and just doing that regularly. All the reps and sets to do that.
0: I can feel an annoying song coming in the overlay. Paul Kelly from Little Things, Big Things Grow. We said that a number of times. I think it got to week three and Sam said, can you please get some new music to close out? We get from Little Things, Big Things Grow. So shout out to Sam. Scott, before I ask you, what did you take out of Social Mastery? You want to put your coaches or reflective practitioner hat on. What, What did you get out of Beth's story? What she said from Social Mastery? or What are your thoughts or comments you'd like to play back?
1: Um, one, she's got a fantastic recall of what we did week by week. Um, my memory of what I did yesterday is challenged most of the time, so I wouldn't wouldn't be able to to recall that. But a number of the things that Beth spoke about were the things that I picked up and have have learnt and and done as well. Another thing that I learned from Beth is how similar, we are in so many ways despite having had very different career paths to get to to where we are you know having feeling as though you are obligated to go and exercise or obligated to go and you know spend some some time doing things that feeling of obligation i share I also share that feeling of if you change it from an obligation to a recognition that by doing it, you're going to be a better person at home, you're going to be a better person in the workplace, it changes the feeling, it changes how you approach doing the particular activity. So I'm glad that I'm not alone is what I I suppose I'm taking out of that.
0: What what I really enjoy about these conversations is there's a rough structure, but then there's some moments that pop up like that, I didn't think at the start of this that you would be saying, We are both so similar or we're both learning this, because you don't know, right, until you have this conversation. I find with so many people though, Scott, when we operate from a must do, and I'll regularly do this with a an executive or a CEO or a business owner who feels that they've got this burden that they have to keep going on doing what they're doing. And it's often due to insecurity and ego and that that intricate Dance between the two, or it can be with an athlete when they're not performing and they're not enjoying it. So I'll get them to get a sheet of paper, and the perfectionist will start to twitch on this. Beth, so thank goodness you and I now fit into healthy competition, Reformed. and I get them to just yeah, reform. To get them to draw on one side, have to do, and on the other side, blessed to do. Because whenever I hear someone when I'm coaching, I should, I could, I would, I might, I must. It's this external locus of control and it's that oh i need to but it's 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 external extrinsic but when you go blessed to do it totally changes it for anyone listening to this we all have that negative voice if you sit there and think i'm going to sound like i've sort of taken something but on one shoulder you've got the supportive inner voice And often I work with people, I'll give that person a name. And on the other shoulder is the person that weighs you down and drains you. When you have the person that's weighing you down and draining you, sometimes you just need to say, hey, rack off, come back, not today. I've listened to you for such a long time. Get out of here. And that have-to-do, bless-to-do sheet can actually then make you go, right i don't have to get to bed early i'm blessed to get a good quality night's sleep so i can wake up and have breakfast with my kids the next day or i'm blessed to get exercise which makes me an active mother father partner employee just changing that narrative is so powerful biggest learnings for you out of social mastery
1: getting the fundamentals right again getting back to not the perfect week what was what do we call it the um the better, week. Week. The better yeah. week yeah i I mapped out my calendar for this year coming out of week two of the program last year. And I put in there my six, six o'clock walk with my wife in the morning because of the importance of getting that vitamin D and that sunlight. I put in those micro breaks, You know, t- two weeks ago, I took a Friday leave so I could go to Melbourne with the family for a, a weekend away just as a quick recharge. With my team, I said, right, we're going to make sure that we know the purpose of every single meeting we are attending. If there's no agenda, if there's no outcome, we're not doing the meetings. Um, so there's, there was getting all those fundamentals right was a good reset for me.
0: I love that domino effect with your team and the meetings. Mm,
1: yeah, that has worked really, really well. The biggest takeaway, though, and the biggest change was the phone piece, putting that phone down At 30 to 60 minutes before going to bed at night, and then not looking at it when I go for my walk in the morning with my wife and the dogs um, has made such a big change, both mentally and physically.
0: Are you getting feedback? I'm sure you're getting feedback before when you're on your phone, Scott, but are you getting feedback at home that you're more present? Are you getting feedback that you're a little bit more attentive?
1: No, not not really, but I notice it in myself. I notice that I'm concentrating better on the conversation. I'm not missing stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not, oh, I told you that. I'm remembering that I've been told those things.
0: So it's That's not- That's pretty clear feedback, that they, mate. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <so. Yeah. laughs>
2: well done, <Scott>. That's
0: excellent. <laughs> Ben's sitting there smiling going, oh, wow, these- you." You're trainable, these skills totally are. And we're having a bit of fun with it, but we can get so stuck on those neural pathways, playing what I call the same game, waking up in the same house, in the same bed, doing the same habits for decades, and you just become the same game. Groundhog day, right? It is Groundhog Day, mm. yeah. Pensacola Phil. Hey, for both of you and for people listening, I just want to do a an upgrade because I've done this since we did the program that you two are in the social mastery program. I now teach there are three types of better weeks. And I've been teaching this for a while. I just hadn't bought it live. What I'll often do is teach with my one-on-one coaching or the executive coaching, and then I'll bring those frameworks back onto mainstream or larger scale when I know they're working. So what I'm doing is I'm doing it in a controlled environment, not taking it to the masses. If you can get a better week, 25 to 30 weeks of the year, I think you're winning, hashtag winning. Mm. I think survival weeks, depending where you are, so in either APS or in the Navy, if you're in that executive or senior leader level, I think you will have 15 to 20 survival weeks. I think the higher up you go, the more nuanced your job is, the more likelihood you're going to get interrupted by a minister or a deputy sec or something like that. If you build in 15 to 20 weeks a year, which is a survival week, you're doing well.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah, and, and and for me, My role, well, part of my role is as a keynote speaker. I know February, I know mid-year, and I know now it bleeds into October and November. They are crazy months. So in that period, which is two and a half, three months of the year, I just say I'm going to have a survival week. And in that survival week, I get my better week and I rip it up. Because if I'm trying to have that better week, it'll just be incongruent with the reality of what my diary is going to look like, especially if I'm traveling a lot. So in a crazy week, a survival week, I have five big rocks or stabilizers that I just need to do. One is I move every single day. I stop exercising and I don't have the routine, but I just make sure I move and ideally in sunshine. Two, with my role, a lot of it means I'm traveling and both of you will get this at different parts of your your year as well. FaceTime's wonderful for checking in with your kids. Now I know it's not the same as being there, but I find if I've moved over the morning and I just say hello to the kids are my partner. I then don't get that you're away. You never check in, and that that moves the guilt or the burden I have that I'm not connecting with my family. Three is I do that daily warm up, and it's much more around what do I need to do to get through today. It's not this week, this quarter, this year. It's today, so I'm really bringing it back to the micro. Yeah. Four is I look at down-regulating. What do I need to do? Because if it's presentations and and at your level as well for both of you, lots of meetings, especially for the person that draws energy being by themselves, Beth, when you're doing lots of those presentations, you feel tired and drained. So how do I, this sounds like an oxymoron, but how do I go harder on the down-regulating, harder on the recovery? And five, I make sure I build in some fun. And that often involves ringing my idiot mates from Dubbo or just ringing a friend and talking about something that's got nothing to do with work or it could just be playing with my dog and just watching Toby and just rolling around or with my, my kids, just having a bit of fun with them. So on the survival week, I've worked out those five factors I need to do and that stops me ending up getting to the end of that and just feeling totally drained and depleted. Does that resonate for both of you?
1: It definitely resonates with me. Um, what are we, week 10 of the year? And I've had two survival weeks um, already. This year and there's probably another one coming next week but getting those fundamentals right sticking i've got a goal this year that i'm going to be active 365 i'm going to do i'm going to move 365 days of the year and that is just so important to su- surviving in those survival weeks um, the other things that you just de- you described um yeah definitely resonate with me
0: that sounds like it could be a future program. Hey, I'm Scott lucky. Welcome to Active365.com. The app that goes with you. This is like having a personal coach in your pocket. It's the physical. It's the psychological. It's the <laughs> what do you reckon, Beth? I'd buy that.
2: Yeah, totally. Although I'm not sure I can commit for 361.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What What What's your thoughts on that survival week?
2: My survival week, I think, would look a bit different from yours, but I get the concept. And, and my You know, large rocks are just a little bit different. (laughs) But yeah, absolutely. So I kind of had one last week when my husband was away and I did that. Like, what are the absolute minimum things that I need to get in? Like, I need to make sure children are somewhere that they need to be and they get picked up and aren't forgotten. And then what do I need to do for myself? And honestly, the week started off pretty well and I was high performing and it kind of went down (laughs) over the course of the week. But I made it to the end of the week and I wasn't completely trashed so
0: that was a bonus that's a win for a survival week and scott you've got one coming up the mindset and the shift in energy of acknowledging hey i'm coming into a survival week now if i put it into this as we're recording this if anyone's watching the video you see behind scott what is that ship what's the model
1: that's the hunter class frigate that's what we're working towards delivering
0: that would make sense that you've got the ship that you are heading up the group on behind you Mm -hmm. how did i not pick that up (laughs) The water behind you is calm. That's what I'd say is a better week. Yeah, mm. But those frigates are designed to weather storms as well. And if you know what's coming up ahead with a storm, with all the radars, you know what to – well, you know you are prepared for the inclement weather you're heading into. It's exactly the same with survival week. You know the storm's coming, and then it's not a surprise.
1: Yeah, that's right. Now, ne- next week I'll be heading to Adelaide. I'll be down there for a couple of days – um, but I've put those rocks in the the run in the morning at Largs Bay. Um, yeah, that's in the calendar already, uh, and I will stick to that rain, hail or shine. I know that I will call home to the family at dinner time um, one of the nights. You know, so those those big pillars um, are already in the in the week. I don't know what's going to happen while I'm down in Adelaide. I know it will be chaos, um, but at least uh, those couple of anchored points are, are already there.
0: That's part of the plan is knowing it's going to be stormy and you can adapt as you go along. So the three types of weeks, you've got the better week. We're aiming for most weeks to be a better week. 15 to 20 weeks where you're in the stormy weather, that's a survival week. And for most people listening to this, four to five, you'd probably go four to six weeks with public holidays where you just don't follow a week. It's called holidays. And that's where you shouldn't be structured every day, every minute and just sort of be, wake up and sometimes go with the flow. That's just a little add on to the better weeks. All right. And wrapping up, Beth, have you got a final message? Is there something if you don't say today, you're going to be lying in bed tonight and you'll be going, no, I needed to tell everybody this.
2: Well, to be honest, it'll be then that I figure out what I should have said at this point in the podcast, because uh, I will have been thinking about it for a while. But if you, if people at work look uh, me up on Skype, you'll see that the the little quote under my name on Skype is a quote from James Clear, which is "You don't rise to the level of your goals; you fall to the level of your systems." And for me, it's about putting those systems in place, so making sure that I have the four mornings of the week that I go to the gym, making sure that I go to bed at a certain time, but all of those things because they're the systems that will get me where I need to go and just hoping and wishing is not going to get me there.
0: What a beautiful way to wrap up a podcast. So elegant. The only thing I wish I'd done is written that book. <laughs> James Clear, you know, the, the uh, his book on habits has sold over 10 million copies now. It's phenomenal and it's great content and he really does break it down elegantly. great quote. Great quote. Scott, final message.
1: So I wrote down a couple of the mantras that I use within the workplace, and then I tried to relate them back to social mastery. One mantra is hope is not a strategy. Um, And if people say hope in my team, they have to put a dollar in the uh, piggy bank because we don't hope, we make things happen. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And what does good look like? And then I take those three mantras and put them back to the social mastery program. And you can't hope that you're going to be able to have a better week. You have to make it happen. If you're not measuring what you're doing, if you're not looking back at the week gone and saying, was that a better week? What did I aim to do? What didn't I get right? Then you're not going to be able to manage next week. And the final one, what does good look like? Well, if you can define what good looks like, you can drive yourself towards that good outcome. So I think while they are mantras that I use to try and manage the project team and manage our project outcomes, they are also mantras that you can use towards managing self and managing your interactions at a social level
0: said the learnings from this, you're going to be hearing me in a talk down the track saying, we're striving for excellence, not perfection. Bing, there's a dollar for Scott. <laughs> I'm going to be drawing on Beth's you know, elegance and poise and memory recall. I've really enjoyed today. I've enjoyed doing this a couple of months after we've done the program to see the recall, but also the way each of you have adapted this in your own way. Beth, the way you're putting this in for yourself and the way that's also now helping with your family in those weeks as well. But I see you smile and I can see inside you're proud of of the achievements you've done. Because when you went back and said you had that really shitty experience with a bad boss in law, you wouldn't have had these skills. And even if you did with a terrible toxic leader like that, it wouldn't have helped. But now you've got the agency, we'll call it self-efficacy, to put these skills in any environment. And, and, and knowing that, you know, it, it just gives you that sense of autonomy, or the sense that no matter what comes up, I know how to put these in, and I'm proud of the way you've been open and authentic. But I can see that this has been. It sounds like a bit like Australian Idol, so apologies on that. But it sounds like it's been a journey for you to to really build this mastery.
2: Yeah, I have. Thank you for that. I've worked pretty hard, and particularly over the last few years, to try and improve on. Behaviors and thoughts and things that I'd observed, and it's all. and I'm definitely not there. I don't know whether I'll ever get there, but just so nice to be able to get yourself and look back and go, Do you know what? I actually am moving and I'm moving in the direction that I want to be. And that's really pretty exciting to see.
0: That's very exciting. And Scott, for a person who's been uh, in, a, in an environment of structure that is regimented like military for 20 years, and then to step back and go, Hmm. I need to not just do an upgrade, but I'm going to totally flip the way I manage myself, my thought processes and the way I lead. When you were talking about that, I could just see Beth go, oh, wasn't it was a beautiful part of the conversation. So I loved having you in the program, the social mastery program, but it's been, it's been a gift today to talk to both of you and to hear your reflections. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, Scott, can learn loads from what you've learned and the evolution of your skills over time.
1: Yeah, last week I um, had the pleasure of doing a presentation to an ACT government forum and I took a couple of my staff along and the reflection they gave back to me was, you know, we look at you and we think you've got it all together and then we realize that you're still a work in progress you're still learning every day and that that drive to learn that drive to continually improve was motivating to them um, and uh, the social mastery program last year was just another part of me continuing that, that um, continual improvement piece so Andrew thank you for, for what uh, you and the team brought to to give me something more to learn about myself it was fantastic
0: don't thank me too much because when angela peon reaches out and says scott and beth he was serious can you come and help us co present on the next program you might have to come up with a just say i'm in a survival week get back to me yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you very much thank you for your time today and thank you for all just being so authentic and you know opening up the lessons you've both learned
1: thanks andrew thanks for having us